Welcome to the Fanboy Planet Podcast. This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And this is, as promised for days, uh, a long overdue CarCast 2021. But before I introduce Car, of course, we've got, well, he's there too. But anyway, podcast <laughs> producer. Rick Brett Snyder. You, you almost forgot who you were. It's been so long. No, I, 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 you usually say something after that. or you know, uh, but... All right. Yeah. And man of leisure, if that's what you'd like. Uh, and man gentlemen, of leisure. gentlemen, yeah, of leisure. gentlemen, gentlemen of leisure. I'm sorry. Look, I only know what Facebook told me. And of course, our special guest tonight. I'm going to put him front and center. Boom! There you are. You're all all alone here. Ready? Excellent. You're not really snapper car. You are Cardi Angelo, owner of uh, Earth Two Comics in Sherman Oaks and Northridge, California. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. And of course. Uh, I I did list him as co-owner, but that is just because I count the lovely Susan <laughs> Susan Avalone, his wife, as co-owner as well. Because I know who's going to come at me on Facebook if it, you know you won't car. It's, there you uh, go. <laughs> We're I both re- owners. You're both owners, so it's not co-owners; it's just both owners. You know, what when you're married, about? it's like you own. It's it's a hundred percent. Co-owner makes it sound like it's fifty-fifty, and it's just like it's just a shared one hundred percent. Especially in I, California. Yeah, now, I, I've been through it. In California, it's fifty-fifty. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, of course, well, we're not uh, there yet. I do want to say, if you're watching this now live. And if you're watching it then, I feel like that Spaceballs moment. When? Then? Uh, now. Uh, if you're watching this live, of course, you can join the conversation right here and now. If you are watching this after the fact or listening to this after the fact, because this podcast is going to go out as audio with perhaps some bonus content, which Rick and I have not yet figured out yet, but that's okay. We can it anyway. Uh, but uh, if you can, you can join the conversation at any time. You can write in with questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, to editor at fanboyplanet.com as well. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. You may be watching this on Facebook Live now. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at F- Fanboy Planet. You can follow us on Twitter at Fanboy Planet and Instagram at Fanboy Planet. There's a pattern. I'm old. It's just so much easier to remember it all as one thing. So let us now speak of car and things of, of, of such. You have actually... Like the prophecy has come true. Years ago, <laughs> I believe it was on a car cast. We said, uh, you know, sooner or later, everyone's going to have a podcast for 15 minutes. Andy Warhol had just been misquoted. And and now you do. You've had, I think, for four, yeah. four months, five, three or four months. Oh, yeah. We've done, I think, like 20 episodes or something, 18 episodes. So I guess that's like like four months or something like that. Yeah. So uh, w- tell us about your podcast car. 
Well, I, I guess my, my biological uh, eye clock was ticking or something. So, you know, I, I realized, my, at, you know, at my age, I was running out of time to have my own podcast. Um, so I needed to do that. But I'm doing Defenders Dialogue with Carr and Adam. Uh, my partner, Adam R. Phillips, was very thoughtful to give me uh, top billing. I, I don't know why. Um, but what we've been doing is a sort of issue by issue review discussion remembrance of the um, the Bronze Age run of Defenders, which was the original non team of Marvel Comics, mostly you know focused around the Hulk and Doctor Strange, and early on there was Submariner and Silver Surfer, but then it basically became Hulk, Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, and Nighthawk, who were kind of both more or less created. Uh, they had some histories, but really came to prominence as as members of the Defenders, and uh, just you know one of my favorite series from that era. So you know what 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 is it about the Defenders that became this the, the, like that's that's the series that drove you to do a a an issue by issue commentary? I think you told us it's actually now two or three issues per episode. Yeah, we I mean we started with bigger chunks, and you get so much into the minutia uh not only the issue itself because they're really well written you know um comics which is probably what was the appeal to me you know some people uh you know get you know obsessed with artists and i was always the fan that loved writers so you know when you look at that it starts with roy thomas um goes to steve Englehart, goes to len ween and then steve gerber which is when i started reading it it just was so different from other superhero comics. I started as a DC kid and DC comics were fun and great, but they were very straightforward. You know, Batman solves the clues and locks up the Riddler and uh, Superman, you know, chases after Lex Luthor in his rocket suit and puts Lex Luthor back in jail or whatever. Um, and they weren't very complicated, but there was something to the storytelling of Defenders by Steve Gerber that was so multi-layered, so... Uh, there was social commentary, you know, uh, he talked about, you know, what it was like, and he took this to other series like Omega the Unknown, what it was like to live in the poorer parts of New York, social justice. It's, it's such a, you know, and then all these kind of also mind games and things. I mean, so, so it was just, I loved it as a kid. And when they were coming out with, with the Defenders Omnibus, uh, my friend Adam, who used to work for DC Comics, um, he was their marketing guy for, you know, years mm -hmm. and years. And, and he also uh, you know, was an editor at uh, Marvel for Marvel Age and things like that. So he's, you know, he's he's lived the life. I mean, he's you know, been in the, the you know, the, the the top jobs at both of those companies. And he um, and, like you know, we're, we're men of a certain age. And he was ordering saying, hey, can you get me that Defenders Omnibus? And I said, oh, yeah, they're coming out with that. You know, what would be great if someone did a podcast where they reviewed it issue by issue and, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I was not like trying to, to, to I was not oh, trying sure. to, win. I literally yeah. said someone should do that. And he said, let's do it. I said, okay. And the one thing I said, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what your relationship is like, but what I said to him is I said, as long as all I have to do is show up and talk, I can do it. I know nothing about what, you know, I saw the little backstage, you know, not to lift up the hood of the engine, but I saw you guys doing some prep and stuff. I could not, I, you know, there's some things technical I'm really good at. I have the prep is really just, you know, Rick saying, yeah, you're a little echoey. And I hope 
can't do anything every time. I, I, I would have no idea how to get this on. You know, well, I, yeah, you know, I mean, I moved. It's a new enchanted geeky room, and I'm missing some cables. You know, so I got to figure out where they are. I tried to do one of those. I tried to do one of those. Um, you know, I thought, oh, this is my chance to really shine and be a ham. I'm going to do those those online, you know, live on Facebook uh, sales for the store. And, you know, and I cried myself to sleep one night because I took my iPhone and tried to set it up. And apparently there's some built in glitch to my era of iPhone. You cannot get a panoramic. You can it cannot broadcast panoramic. It only broadcasts vertical. I, and, I do have to I, break it to you that you did Facebook Live yourself crying to sleep. Uh, that <laughs> <laughs> and then nine that's hours I turned of, it off. Snor- alternately snoring and weeping. It was <laughs> it was riveting. It was it, it was like a Vim Vendors film. Yeah, Warhol. I think I, I was I was channeling Warhol's uh, sleep <laughs> at that point in time, plus crying for a bonus. Yes. So yeah. Uh, well, that, that's uh, I, I mean, welcome to the wonderful world of podcasting. And ha- I mean, what's interesting and and I think wiser than what we've got here is that by by limiting itself, l- limiting to the Bronze Age defenders, you have an endpoint. Yes. Um, if we decide, to, and we're not, and we're still not even sure how far we want to go because there's a certain point I think we both stop reading it or stop paying as much attention to it. Um, and what we do after that, you know, um, but what I love about it too, though, is we've got this formula of doing issue by issue, but there's things that come up because it's all intrinsic to not only the narrative of the Marvel universe, um, and what's going on in the other comics at the time. Cause there's some crossovers with Marvel team up or with the Hulk and mm-hmm. Marvel two in one. And we check in on those things. Um, and the defenders began in, as solo stories in Submariner, Doctor Strange, and Hulk. It was Roy Thomas after Submariner was can't or Doctor Strange was canceled. He was trying to tie up these loose ends from Doctor Strange by bringing him in. So, and that led into then, you know, hey, these team ups are working. Let's try a, 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 a series. But it wind, you wind up talking about all the other things going on in, in in the comic industry and Marvel at that time. Because when you get to giant size defenders, you're going why are there giant size comics? And then you're talking about, you know, the nature of newsstand distribution and how the fight was starting then. I thought I was in a golden age of comics in the seventies. I didn't realize that all these weird formats that got me so excited, hundred page, super spectaculars, all those things were actually trying to save the life of comics on the newsstands because 20 cent comics weren't worth putting on the newsstand. So they were trying to come up with 50 cent comics and 60 cent comics and dollar comics and treasury editions and all the, and the defenders winds up touching on all those things because they show up in all those formats. And, and it was a glory. You're right though. For us as readers, that was a, a glorious time and, and probably, you know, great, a great bargain. I, you know, this came up because last week at, at earth two in Sherman Oaks, uh, you had a signing and a, I thought a, a mini panel, if you will, discussion yeah. with Douglas Wolk about all of the marvels, and uh, it led me to it to a problem that I have with Marvel Comics Unlimited. You know, catching the digital because somebody asked me afterwards. A friend reached out on Facebook and says, "Where does someone find all twenty-seven thousand Marvel comics?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, at least twenty thousand are on MCU, but you're." We need podcasts like yours if you're a Defenders fan to know when it's time 
to jump over to giant size because one of the flaws in these digital right. efforts is they don't guide you to no connectivity right. yeah you know and uh i thought it was interesting that douglas skipped what marvel comics unlimited has as well as there's no conan um which right. makes perfect sense uh for him um it's it's a bummer that that mcu doesn't do it not that i want to uh, you know encourage people not to go to earth 2 and buy back issues there uh and omnibuses but uh so let us you know let us focus on that uh one of the things that's been happening uh more and more with with you as a retailer i think that earth 2 particularly in sherman oaks but maybe that's just because i tend to pay more attention on facebook when you post things to that now that you are my home store welcome Yay. thank you yeah it's 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 been a long time coming uh that you know there are these little events and i i was taken aback aside from you get cookies but that you had this really great conversation but as a retailer in what has you know from the outside seemed like one of the most di difficult periods in, in in retailing because obviously for a long time no one could literally no one could come into your store so right. you know we started the car cast after comic cons every year to kind of be talking about like well, what's been happening in retailing well there are no cons um well they are they're they're virtual and there's going to be one on right. thanksgiving but but from a but from your perspective running earth two what's been happening from the storefront i mean it you know pivot is you know the word of the of, of the last 18 months and um you know evolve you know or die is like the motto and it, it's it's been a shift not just because of covid but because of all the other you know dominoes that have come into play that are affected and not affected you know by covid but certainly covid gave an opportunity the slowdown gave an opportunity for dc to set up a new distribution system and then for marvel to follow suit um you know and all these other things that you know, kind of really changed the day to day of what we're doing in terms of new comics and trying to keep up with that. Um, and events were always our thing. I mean, honestly, it was it was a very moving moment. I'm glad you were there. You know, to have that event because it was our first event in nearly two years. Um, oh, I, I thought mean, there had still been a couple of little things, but oh. I, I, we we've done some sales. I mean, in terms of what I would call like a like a signing type event, we we did have a free comic book day, and we did have Yehudi Mercado there because he was supposed to be at Free Comic Book Day 2019. And mm -hmm. and he had his own free comic book day on that day. So we said, we have to have you back. And he had his new book out, his new YA graphic novel out, Chunky, which is great. Chunky, thank you for calling it yeah. out because it is wonderful. I it, love it really it. is. And, 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 and like myself, you were Chunky, I pre unless you put this all on and you're later. No, 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 no. It's true. Although since I shot, I, I, I was technically husky. But husky, anyway. yes, yes. <laughs> Chunky, I think that, that, that was, I talked to Yehudi about that. I said, said in, you know, we called it, we called it husky but yeah. I know what you're talking about, um, you know, and I got to give him credit because it's, it's uh, um, because when the doctor tells the kid, you have to lose weight, uh, his response is, I don't lose weight. I win weight. Yeah. And it's, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and he's doing a sequel, right? There's a, there's yeah, a, I think there's, yeah, it's, it's an auto, it's an autobiography. It's a memoir of sorts. I mean, obviously with memoir based with, you know, fantasy elements in there. Um, but it, it, you know, so, so that was that was a event. But in terms of that kind of, hey, we're doing a Wednesday night thing, a new book's out, we want to sort of celebrate it. We've really kind of put that off simply because, I mean, 
I, I'm still not entirely comfortable with having groups of people because I think it's a mm-hmm. call. Because should anything go wrong or should anything happen, I, I don't want to feel responsible. That's me, um, you know, and Susan as well. And um, and it's it's and especially when you're just kind of having people, you know, sort of you know collect as a group. But again, Douglas is someone who um, you know I've known for a while. We had a previous event with him when he wrote a Judge Dredd comic. I was there. That was the weird thing. Susan looked over me and said, do you know Douglas? I said, I don't think so. And then I realized I saw the Judge Dredd book and said, wait a minute. I interviewed him and it had not made over to the new. It's not new anymore. I mean, Rick, how many years ago did we switch Fanboy Planet to to WordPress? Five, six years ago? Five years ago. Yeah. So it was an interview that had not I had not migrated over. So the first thing I did Wednesday night after going home. Great was migrating that over so that, well, actually, this the, was the second thing. The first thing I did was upload the video of the theme song to all of the marbles that Douglas sang, which I completely surprised. I'm like, I can't believe I was smart enough to actually put up my phone and, and record the thing because... Yeah, I, I missed so the first verse, but thank you for getting that. And then they did, when they went to, did um, when they were in Vegas, I think they, when they because I showed them the video and they probably saw the one you put up, um, but I think they they then made sure they got their own. Cause I think they got such a positive response from it that, yeah. so they, you know, so, so when they were in um, Las Vegas at alternate realities, they made sure they, they, they got Good. their own, but you know, and it's a great book. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, you know, to me, it's like the gift book of this, the season, all of the Marvels, because anybody who has any interest in comic books can kind of get it. If you know everything about Marvel, there's still stuff in there that you don't know. And if you think you know everything, and if you, and if you're just kind of curious he does do these great walkthroughs of, you know, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and then he does a character like Shang-Chi, um, you know, as sort of an example of something that was kind of breakthrough in the 70s, but also, you know, from a, a historical perspective now also has some... Um, yeah, interesting significance. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's that, 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 that what, what seemed like a breakthrough in the 70s has has questionable material because it is a bunch of white guys sitting around figuring out what a, what a, you know, what, what an Asian hero would be like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not to focus on that. And I, you know, cause I do want to get again, broader as to how the, the last year and a half, two years has been for earth two. And, and you brought up, you know, DC and Marvel have both shifted their distri- distribution. So right. how has that impacted? From a retailer's perspective, I think most will agree. Certainly for me, but I mean, we all seem to be on the same page that it, it's taken up more time. Uh, it means the the simple aspects of just doing your ordering, where Diamond was kind of a one stop shop. I sort of, you know, compare it to what if to go to the supermarket, you know, you had to go to all five supermarkets in your neighborhood, but you didn't just go in and pick up what you wanted. The system still required you to walk up and down every aisle, even though in one you only bought snacks and in the other one you only bought meats and in the other one you only bought vegetables, but you still had to spend the time going through all 10 aisles. And that's what it's kind of like because you have to go through all these separate systems as opposed to enter one system, do all your shopping and exit the system. Um, so it's just a time drain. And then we ask ourselves, are we selling more comics um, and or how do we sell more comics? And 
the cycle has tightened, whether it's because of COVID or whether it's because of all the other media or whether it's because of collected editions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, but the periodical shelf life is, you know, has shrunk even more and more where it used to be, you know, and, you know, this is more for me, but I think, again, I'm echoing a lot of the thoughts that, you know, I've talked about with my other fellow retailers, um, you know, that it used to be like a book like Batman, for example, you know, even say during the height of the Tom King era, like the, the, the war of jokes and riddles or something, mm-hmm. I would order that book knowing, oh, there's a six part or eight part story about the Riddler and the Joker and Batman. So I'm going to pace that out because I know around issue three or four of that arc, someone's going to come in and go, I didn't know this was going on. Can I get all the issues? And so I'd want I need extra of the first two, three parts for when that person showed up on issue, you know, on part four, Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen as much books of real, a lot of books I think are, you know, kind of um, plateaued sales wise. I mean, there may be something when, when Tom Taylor takes over Nightwing, that's a bump, you know, and, and a lot of people get interested in something new like that, you know, you know, you know, we, you know, Josh Williamson taking over Batman, maybe that adds a little something, but even from Tom King to Tinian, it wasn't like a major, bump the way it normally would be. So I think there's a little bit of a wait and see attitude. There's a little bit of a, I don't need every periodical. So, so I think, you know, we order tighter for the shelves because I'm not necessarily going to be selling those books next month. So I want to sell out this month. Um, And I'd rather, and, and again, in my case is, you know, we're sitting on tons of inventory in terms of back issues that I haven't necessarily had time to process, but now I'm trying to take that time back to get more back issues out because a, I'm always going to have back issues. B they're already bought and paid for. So, and, and, and C there's really a resurgence of people just, you know, you know, when people are asking for like 90 stuff, I know, Oh, finally, we've, <laughs> you know, we've turned a corner. Darkhawks. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've got a nine. One of my favorite purchases was like a 9.8 dark Hawk number one, because it is kind of like the, the proverbial, like what's the best book you got? Oh, I've got a dark Hawk number one and it's 9.8, you know? Um, but, th- but there is, there, there, there is this interest thanks to things like, um, like kayfabe. So a lot of that stuff that isn't necessarily available in trades. And that's one of the things going on too. You guys know about, I mean, I don't know if you've talked about it on the show, like the manga shortage and, you know, paper shortages that are affecting. I know it's starting to come through. We we haven't recorded in about a month, but I just saw like image is saying yeah. there will not be second printing, right, right. which for me, that's really hard. I've been lucky. And again, I've, I've said this on the podcast before, the beauty of having a regular shop of, of, of them knowing your taste is I can walk in. It, you know, I can't always get in on a Wednesday, but possibly on a Thursday. And I say to your manager, Heather, Yep. You know, hey, uh, what what's good? Or she'll say, you know, I think you really like this book. And so I end up catching it. Like, I don't think I would have picked up Stray Dogs, which was one of my right. favorites of the last year. Yeah, yeah. If I hadn't like, walked over and said, Heather, is this as good as I'm hearing? Right. And she said, yes, you know, you really, you're going to love it. And I went, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm throwing it into my stack. And I oh, did. Yeah. And then, yeah, not, and knocks you on, the, the first issue knocks you on your ass. I mean, you know. T- Tony, absolutely. I can't. Yeah. I don't even like talking about it because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Oh, no. sure, sure. Oh, yeah. You can't pitch it. That's the hard. I mean, it really, is like a trust me kind of book. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, 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 those are the challenges. So you're already seeing the paper shortage. Yeah, well, I mean, everything's been, you know, what, what did someone ask for? I mean, every week there's something going on, but, but, you know, this, this website says this book is out today. It's like, yes, because everybody's not updating in, in, in live time. So, you know, books from certain publishers from DC and Marvel, Marvel, you know, Marvel solicits a lot of books and, but they've been only releasing like eight or 10 tight. I mean, they release a lot of books because they have so many variants, but they've been outputting about eight or 10 titles a week when they're soliciting closer to 12 or 15. So there's this backlog that that that's kind of building and that some people notice, you know, we got it was like think they were like do, those Doctor Strange, Death of Doctor Strange tie ins with Strange Academy mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. Um, you know, Avengers. And a couple of weeks ago, people said, but those are out. The website says they're out because, you know, because Marvel or you know, I'm not pointing to any particular websites, but just the information can't be updated as quickly as these changes are made. And one one their impact is you know I did mention Marvel Comics Unlimited um, and DC has Infinite. Yeah, have you seen a big impact from from that where there are things that are digital first? And I don't know because I don't follow. I if I want to read a Marvel a new Marvel book, I'm going to buy it from you. And right. I know anybody you know, but that's me. Uh, are they if they're it's okay if you just read it online? I mean, I'm you know I'm a big boy. No, I know you are, but I mean, no offense. We're, you know, <laughs> but husky, husky, you're yeah. husky boy. We're huskies. We're, we're husky boys, both of us. But, but I mean, my question is: Is Marvel like if if they are soliciting twelve or fifteen and only eight are making it to the stores? Are those other, shall we say, seven still showing up digitally on time? That's a great question. That I don't, I don't know that anyone's had the time to track that. That is, I I've seen that question asked. Um, because technically if it's a paper shortage, then it's not about the book being done. It's the file. So the files are done. Um, and that would be something I'd have to check looking at the various digital services. Um, and I, but I don't even know. I don't know if that's, I mean, again, there's comics people and there's digital people. And again, I like digital for the, you know, you know, you know, strike me for saying this, but I mean, for the historical aspects and the access, you know, I mean, uh, you know, a friend of mine oh, asked yeah. me to do a, a favor recently of identify a piece of original art that was like from the, maybe from the rebirth era of DC or something. And mm-hmm. like, sure, I might've had those comic books, you know, we knew the artist, but which issue, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I probably could have found the trade. I could have found the issues in storage, but you know, I, it's easy to pop online and just get, I'm it. on DC. I am on DC infinite, you know I mean? I use it for research and it's, and it's helpful. So, you know, I'm not, you know, pl- you know, but, and I have also discovered that people who want comics want comics and people want that. Um, I, I think it's a different experience. And I think, you know, I still think there's something very different because the way, because I always say the first thing I do when I read a comic, cause I kind of don't really like spoil it for myself, but you kind of flip through and then you, you know, and then you do that thing where you're reading. I mean, imagine you're reading Watchmen and you get to, you know, the big reveal in issue five. And then you go, holy cow. And the first thing you want to do is flip back to the first page of that issue. You can't really do that on 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 on, on digital. So I don't think it always has that immediacy. Um, but, you know, I don't I think overall, I think it has to have affected sales somehow in the sense of there are people who would rather just kind of peruse whether it's by buying digital or by, you know, finding free digital, which is probably, I think, the bigger problem, because I think I think sometimes it's hard for some people to really go. I want to I want to I used to buy 10 or 15 comics for 20 cents 
when I was, you know, 12 years old. Yeah. Now, even if you're a, you know, and then even when I was a working man in, you know, the eighties and nineties, even if I was buying 20 comics a week, they were like two bucks, you know? So even if that was $40 a week, but now if you're buying 20 comics a week and they're three ninety nine, four ninety nine, five ninety nine. I mean, I'd, I, I think it's hard you know, I mean, I shouldn't be saying this, but I think it's, I don't think it supports the volume anymore that you used to have where you could buy a comic without really thinking about it. It's a much bigger commitment at $6. And I think that's what hurts the, the you know, the, the, the business more is that people want high value for that kind of money. And I don't know. Personally, personally, I try not to look at the receipt. Yeah. Yeah. But not everybody can, you know, but I, I do think then like I'll pick up a trade. I mean, one case in point for me this year was by the time it seeped into my head that I would want to read something, someone is something is killing the children. Right. Uh, that what it was, I knew that there was a 15 issue collection coming hardbound slip yeah. cover. I, I ordered from you and, you know, somehow, even though that was probably pricier than if I had bought, gotten on board in the first place and bought them individually the satisfaction of just taking this big oversized book yeah, yeah. In one in one spell swoop and just devouring that another great title i, I love james tynan's work anyway but you know that's another one um was a nice house on the lake out of, out of, out book, of black yeah. label great book which was another i walked in and heather said you're gonna want this and oh, she's nice. absolutely right. You know, it was just just that. So talked about what I like. Heather's the best, by the way. Let me say it. you're saying it, but I want to say it too. Oh no, absolutely. I think she she she's a great manager, and to all the great managers, uh, you know, across uh, across the the, the country, <laughs> we salute you. We salute you. No, absolutely, because I've been to stores with crappy ones, <laughs> you know, and so. Well, I mean, those stores don't exist anymore, but you know, that's well, and that's part of it, you know, I mean, and that's a big part of it too, is we've always talked about, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the experience. So, I mean, and I hate to, I mean, you know, you because we're, you know, having an industry conversation, I'll say, you know, I do think things like prices and stuff count, but yes, most people don't even want to think about it. I mean, I would never say in the store to someone, are you sure you want that for five ninety nine? <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's not in my best interest, but I also want people to be satisfied, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's sort of the, the, the balance. And we kind of, you know, you always have the customers and the pull customers who hit a wall because they're committed to everything or they're committing to too much. And then they find they're not enjoying it. Yeah. And I'd always rather push them toward, you know, buy less, enjoy more. And then I'll, then, you know, we'll, you and I will have a longer relationship. Um, you know, you and that, that's a two t-shirt buy less, enjoy more. I, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, you know, but honestly, I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather have back all the customers that I've lost, not because they picked another store or moved away. I, I know comic book stores can really count on long lists. The people they lost simply because of, of, of being overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, the customer is just overwhelmed with wanting to, you know, wanting to be part of the, of the, of the continuity and part of the part, you know, part of it. And it's like, and it's too much. And then they start feeling, and a lot of the, I mean, and again, we are talking about DC and Marvel. I mean, I think there's a lot of great work coming from some of the other publishers and that's some of the most lively stuff. We have people who come in and don't buy a DC or Marvel book at all. You know, they're picking up from image and boom, uh, maybe they'll pick up, you know, the black label book from, you know, the nice house on, on the lake, because that's more like, 
um, you know, Department of Truth or. Well, it looks know, like it could be from Image and Boom. I did, you know, I didn't even think about that anymore. Now I'm right. tracking writers. I know right. that James Cannon the Fourth is going to give me something creepy, yeah. and really well structured. Yeah. So you know what? Yeah, what is the, the first three James Tynans did nothing for me, but the fourth one. The fourth one, yeah, no, yeah, totally, totally. I just want to respect it. He's got that that IV at the end. I'm going to respect yeah. it. What is the book? You know, what is the book that when somebody walks in and well, and I ask you now, what's the book that excited you the most this year? Um, well, it's been like the last year. So the uh, Second Coming. I mean, Nice House on the Lake was one of, that blew me away. That was like one of the first issues that totally blew me away. And um, and Second Coming by Mark Russell. It was fantastic, yes. Is, yeah, and then the, the sequel just came out, and I think both trades are out. Um, you know, and if you haven't, I'll do my, you know, elevator pitch for, you know, anyone who hasn't read it. But basically, um, you know, God wants to send Jesus, uh, you know, return to earth as promised. And um, but he actually kind of thinks Jesus screwed it up the first time. So he wants him to get some uh, a little bit of buddy training from a character who is essentially a you know, solar man, but essentially Superman, uh, a Superman analog. And it's written by Mark Russell. And it was supposed to be um, published by D.C. And I hit a little too close to home uh, in some ways. And so they but yeah, they graciously awesome. did not you know, sit on it, did not burn it. Um, you know, they, they let it go to uh, Ahoy. Uh, uh, comics, um, and, which is an uh, exciting publisher. I, I've got to say that is. there is not a book from Ahoy that I have read that I have not just really, really enjoyed. They're well, yeah. Tom Pyre is one of the top people, you know, and he's you know worked with Grant Morrison and other folks like that, so he's brought them in. Um, it's just it's it's it, you know they yeah there's a you know they the dragon the the books that involve. Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, which are basically yeah. like, what if, you know, what if Batman 66 met the Dark Knight, you know, uh, how would they get along kind of thing? Spoiler, they don't really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, so, so yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I always, I, I try and read as many of the first issues as possible because I read, and Stray Dogs was the other one I from the, the, you know, from the yeah. last year, just, you know, but things that really like you go, you know, I overuse you saying it, I, you know, knocked me off my chair. Um, you know, I, very, very few, I think the only issue that literally did knock me off my chair was years ago. And I think it was the first issue of, um, of old man Logan. And I literally like, I, I literally like went, Whoa. And I tipped my chair back because <laughs> something in the book. And um, I don't know if you've been to, you know, if you go to Carr's house, everything's beanbags now for this very reason. Exactly. <laughs> we only read, only read comics in the, in the inflatable chair. Yeah. The um, but you know it, it's you know and, and and you know and then of course so yeah I want people to read the staff is great because they do they do know their stuff and they do know uh, you know good things to recommend and obviously that that's you know that is important um, and like I said to me the the, the back issues have been fun we're, because we're seeing a lot of you know it's it's funny how you th- you know I, I've been doing this for eighteen years now and of course you know the 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 treasure ten years ago you know, was, was silver age. Um, and I mean, and that, and now we've seen how much that has sort of gone up in value and, and the collections that are coming out of the woodwork now are more, um, bronze age stuff, like extensive bronze age. And when you have all the weird stuff like horror and the horror stuff, the martial arts stuff, all the stuff that Marvel, the Marvel magazines, and you realize this is someone 
who wasn't getting Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. They came into comics in 1971 and they thought comics were all about Dracula and werewolves. And, and, and that's what that's what attracted them. So it kind of proves the Marvel experiment of the time that there were people that they brought in who were not necessarily, um, you know, reading, you know, the strict superhero stuff. But, um, you know, because, again, the, the collections yeah. are, are eclectic. It's interesting because I what this just sparked for me was the thought that that maybe we're seeing that a, a parallel evolution with the Marvel Cinematic Universe because we know that Blade is yeah. in the future and so you know we've gone we've seen this the standard Iron Man Thor Captain America right and it's getting weirder and weirder and then we're going to get into the supernatural so you know interesting stuff now uh, we began by talking about the uh, the events do you have events lined up are you plan do you feel comfortable enough that you're going to do uh, do some more in the future I think I think we're being picky in the sense of I feel like we're not you know, I mean, and again, partially because of the time of other things, like I was talking about the, 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 the prep and planning, I think, you know, and the cookie making, uh, that goes into it. It's just kind of, it, it by the way, it is absolutely anybody watching this. It's worth <laughs> making a trip. If you know, an event's going to happen because those cookies, cookies are amazing. Yeah. And they're um, always, they're beautiful. I think what I'm focused on, you know, when we have like the holidays and stuff is, probably trying to do more um i think events will sort of have to will be more around sales and things like that you know so obviously we got yeah. you know something for black friday and the holidays because there's always that yeah and um and like you, i'm doing and, and you know when we unveil some of these collections i think we'll have more announcements and stuff because normally i'm just putting stuff out and i always feel oh we should announce it we should make it you know day made this is the you know I'm usually not that organized as part of the problem, but I really, you know, but that's, that's sort of the planning stages of being able to go, Hey, all of this is, you know, coming out. Uh, you know, if you, if you know, we've been putting together this bronze age horror collection and it's, you know, you're finally going to get to see it maybe by next cool. time. And so uh, running across the bottom right now is this is cool. where you, people can follow uh, follow cars shop uh, at earth, facebook.com slash earth two earth two comics on earth two comics earth two comics. Uh, is scroll back because I thought of, I've always said community is so important. And one of the things you've done, uh, you were doing before in the before times, was yeah. having a monthly um, art lesson for kids and yeah. developing the, the this this community from for kids, the next generation of creators. And uh, yeah, it's something we're very proud of. I mean, because we did it, you know, for I think we, you know, I mean, we, you know, eight or nine years it was, you know, every month in in the store. COVID, obviously, we couldn't do in the store. We did about, you know, a, you know, we did a lot of Zoom sessions during the year. But okay. once this, you know, so we kept doing it on Zoom. I mean, for, for free, you know, and we had some, you know, dedicate, you know, Chris Johnson, uh, our artist in residence, uh, you know, you know, would teach and Yehudi and a few other people did, um, did guest spots. But mostly, um, you know, when... You know, earlier, you know, when the beginning of the summer, when California was trying to open up again, we it created a problem because every people obviously still have their own ways of doing things. You know, everyone's got their, you know, so it really seemed and, they, and kids weren't being vaccinated. So we tried doing one session and I think it was on the free comic book day, figuring we were giving a carrot with the, 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 the stick, as it were. Yeah. But trying to do it back in the shop, people, no one and it, no one said anything explicitly, but we couldn't get the RSVPs. 
for doing it back in the shop. Mm-hmm. And then, but doing it, continuing to do it on Zoom with the shop being open again and trying to focus there didn't seem to be the right feel either. So we've kind you know, sadly, we've kind of paused it for now uh, because I think in this new school year, everybody's schedules and everybody's things were changing. No, um, that's true too, yeah. It's- you know, and I think with the kids back in school, they, you know, the weekends, you know, then we, I think we did try one, you know, like a Zoom session and didn't get enough feedback to that. It's just everyone's got their own lives going on, um, you know, and again, and if it, it, it's kind of that, you know, and I think kids even they should be out running around and not. They should. But it is weird. A life point. It is very, <clears throat> very weird how what used to be the old rhythms they're right. just really hard to pick up again. Yeah. Even, even as, as adults where allegedly we are in charge of ourselves. But we do hope that in 2022 things uh, get brighter and Absolutely. stronger for Earth 2 and uh, for all of us. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I don't know if I'll see you tomorrow or, or not. I mean, I'll be at Earth 2. I, I, <laughs> uh, sleeping. Uh, <laughs> I, I might be for I, I'm going to be in and out. I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to be there. OK, but I know I got to get my comics, although I got I, I do have to put in one more plug for Douglas Wolf's book because I realized I haven't read any of my new comics because I <laughs> fell upon this book. And I'm like, I got to get this finished. And right. because it's so compelling <laughs> and, you know. Uh, I, I I concede the Zorlak crown to Doug, Douglas Wolf because he's done <laughs> I just couldn't bring myself to do. So, Carr, thank you for taking the time tonight. Thank I'm so you. glad. You know, we've danced around this for a few months and said, let's do this. So I'm, yes. I'm so glad to have you on. So thank, thank you. So thank you for having me. Good and, seeing you. Uh, right and some Good of you can, can stay on audio. We'll have more. But uh, we're going to end this for now. Thanks so much, everyone. Welcome back, everyone, to Fanboy Planet After Dark. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) I I don't need any. I don't. Are you wearing pajamas? No. No, I'm still. I I didn't have time to change. I'm still uh, in jeans and the official Fanboy Planet uh, work shirt. Well, I'm no longer a camera. Who knows what you. you, you, That that is fast ripoff. No, I don't do that. No. I, and I don't want to fill anybody's mind with that thought. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a staid man. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so welcome back. And uh, this is our, our bonus content uh, where we, you know, we did just, it's funny, we just spoke for 40 minutes talking about comics with, uh, with a comics retailer. And it, all of a sudden it's weird not seeing you. Ah, uh, that, 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 that makes me all, all gushy. I didn't um, say I missed it. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Just, it's weird seeing me. It's weird not seeing me. I understand. <laughs> let's 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 talk some you know comics. It's been a, about a month since we talked about Shang Chi, or maybe it's been six weeks uh, since Shang Chi came out. And um, we're not going to talk about Eternals, even though it did open last weekend. And I and uh, just because Rick has not had a chance to see it yet, Friday. And, and I, I do think we will talk about it next week because there there are a couple of things in there. That I, I I really did want to talk about with you, um, and uh, yeah, it's just interesting to watch it after reading. I, I binged through and because of Marvel Comics Unlimited, uh, you know, all of Kirby's original Eternals. Oh, okay. And, you didn't read and the game and stuff, or I have read the game and stuff. I've read actually now all the 
when I say all the solo stuff, um, I've read everything, every book that had the Eternals as the title. Okay. Yeah, so I know there's an Avengers crossover that I tried to find, uh, figure out where it was and the whole thing, but as we were talking about on, on the... Uh, with Carr, Marvel Comics Unlimited does not do, and to be fair, neither does DC Infinite really do a great job of like, you know, you really need to cross over. I thought they, I thought they used to, like, tell you, like, you know, that you could, that you needed to follow over to this first, and then you could come back here, and, and you know, so Marvel anyway. Marvel release books now do that a bit. Okay, but okay, yeah. But anyway, yes, I, I binged through all that. Uh, Are you reading the current uh, the current series? I have been reading the current okay. Eternal series as well, which is trying to align with the movie. Yeah. Um, so, which is just kind of like okay, whatever. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's. So we're not going to talk Eternals this week. We will. We will talk about it later. I feel like you know, in the in the year and a half, there's a lot of things. Let's talk about the Bloodshot movie, shall we? Uh-huh. Uh, Oh yeah, no, don't. That was like, if if canon movies had a budget twice as but as much as they had uh, in the eighties, and it was still they were still canon movies. But um, and I mean the the studio, not canon as in it's canon, C A N O N. No, no, no. Uh, so you know, I I don't know about you. I, I I've been reading hat comics haphazardly. Still love them absolutely. But as I I. Anybody who listened to the first part of this or, or watched the, the video knows I, I got really distracted by uh, this great book that came out last week uh, that, that was signed at Car Store, uh, all of the marvels uh, in which Douglas Wolk, comics historian, uh, basically read about 27,000 Marvel comics and tried to make them all make sense. I, that, that's a bad representation of the book. Have you read it, Rick, or have you picked it up? Which book was this? It's called All of the Marvels. No, I've not. I, yeah. So it's a hardcover. It's, a, it, it's yeah. great. I, 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 I pinged Chuck Surface, and he got it as well. I've seen pictures uh, of you reading it on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. There we go. That he uh, that he because his son uh, wanted to know like where do I start reading Marvel comics, Dad? After reading all like Casper and Archie's and stuff like that. And so they were they were jumping around, and then he wondered, like, what would it be like if you read it all? And so most of the articles on this book made it sound like he really was just kind of going, like, it's all one big story, which it is, all one big narrative, but he jumps around. Like, I was going to say, unfortunately, uh, I, I know one of your favorite arcs, it's not unfortunate, but the things he'd already written about it was the, the Warlock saga. So Adam Warlock was actually, he had a, an earlier book, uh, academic book about how to read a graphic novel in which a huge chunk of it was devoted to the Warlock saga. So he didn't bother uh, writing about it again unless it absolutely tangentially had something, you know, crossed over. But he's, he's really, it's really a book about, you know, if you're going to jump around and if you really want to read something key, here, here's a, here are these great jumping on points. If you like Spider-Man, here are some key places you could jump in. If you like Fantastic Four, here are some key places you can jump in. So, um, but you know, it's a prose book, so I, it's what little time I've had to read. That's it's been devoted to that. So, uh, but I, I, I have picked up some comics, and and so, and you said you've got one from last week, and a couple that you'd like to uh, recommend. So, uh, you know, what what's in your bag, Rick? 
Okay, let's start with the uh, what was on, what's probably still on the stands right now, or is being cleared off yeah. in, advan in advance of tomorrow's comics. And uh, you and Carr were talking about the the books that have been meant the most to you in the past year, and you had kind of put something about that in the notes. So I went and looked, and I have a pile of like the last two months worth of reads. So I just went through it, and undoubtedly, and it's it's funny because there have only been six issues total of this book. Uh, but every time I see a new issue of Adventure Man, I just oh. I just kind of get warm inside. And I go, this is going to be a great read. I, it hits for me on all cylinders. It's got a pulp flavor to it. It's got family. It's got a history that's being slowly uh, exposed. It's got amazing art by the Dodsons. It's Matt Fraction writing. There's nothing about this book that doesn't just 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 feed me. It feeds my comic book needs and so and on top of that i was in a bookstore and i came across i'd not seen the collected hardback edition <laughs> i was gonna say can i confess to you not even my wife knows this i i just broke down last week and ordered the collected oversized hardcover what an amazing looking book and it's like 25 bucks i couldn't resist it's it's i, I, I held out as long as i could and, you know, I, again, just to, I, I know it hits you on all cylinders. I think for somebody listening, if if this is, you know, is every comic book is your first comic book? There may be that um, every Fanboy Planet podcast might be somebody's favorite, uh, might be somebody's first Fanboy Planet podcast. Why this book resonates for, for both of us so much is it is it definitely has pulp origins. And in fact, Matt Fraction confessed, like he was inspired by having picked up a copy of Doc Savage's Apocalyptic Life. Yeah. But then he says, but not reading it too closely. <laughs> and so, well, it's Doc Savage they, and The Shadow and, you know, just about any kind of... It's everybody. It's everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's it's all of old Newton wrapped into into one air, if you will. And um, it, is a, it is a gorgeous book and it goes, you know, but it also includes... Yeah, you have a, a magic skyscraper there. that nobody yeah. can, that you can't really see until you become awoken to it. Um, the family, it's, the transformation of the hero, uh, just oh god. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a fantastic book. So I'm with you, and I, I I've, I'll throw uh, one that just uh, came out and, and that that is you know will still hopefully be on the racks. If you're not reading the Good Asian. By uh, Ponsak Pichote, oh, yeah. um, which is just a, a 30s noir uh, uh, about a detective, a Hawaiian detective who had actually been grown up in San Francisco, Chinatown, went over to Hawaii, came and then comes back to solve a crime uh, in the in the uh, land of his childhood, basically the city of his childhood. Um, what this is one that's worth. Uh, I gotta say, tracking down the um, individual issues if you can, because what I what I've come to understand is what gets lost in the first trade paperback came out last week as well. I think is that he in the individual issues, just like uh, uh, I, I want to say, Greg Rucka was doing with Lazarus. Uh, you know, there's these back pieces that are kind of like in Lazarus, he would write about this is the article that inspired this idea, and this idea, and, you know, he's tracking where our science is heading towards dystopia. In this case, uh, Pichote is talking about um, 
what are the historical influences uh, and what what was actually going on for Chinese immigrants from the 19th century forward? And I, I think, you know, two issues ago, you finally got to like, well, you know, you got the elephant in the room is obviously this character is somewhat inspired by the same uh, cop that inspired Charlie Chan and the differences in that history there. And so I just feel like not only did, do I get every month or almost every month, I think he delayed a little bit for this trade to come out. Um, do I get just a fantastic story, a great yarn, almost pulpish, you know, a, like a, a Hammett novel. Um, but I also get uh, pieces of a history that I was not taught that I am fascinated by. Your mileage may vary, but I am fascinated by it. And, you know, I do feel in the 21st century, we're all trying to grow up and treat each other much better. And part of that, from my perspective, is you have to learn how we didn't treat each other better. And uh, so I am grateful for that moment of uncomfortability in each issue. And it's just, but it's well written. It, it, it's an incredible, it's an incredible comic. It's great. So that that's, that's, my recommendation. So go back, sir. What so, have we missed in the last six weeks? Okay, so um, this is kind of a deep cut, but I'm going to go there anyway. Um, I was uh, I was perusing Amazon.uk, and I came across an upcoming book that made me that 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 kind of grabbed my. Uh, you know, I have a love of book binding and book uh, publication methods. Um, and this was, it was like a leather, pebbled leather bound book with gold embossing and the hero is on the front cover. And it's a, it's a character that I've always been intrigued by, but I've never actually picked up. And it, the character is Luther Arkwright. Mm -hmm. I've by, read it. By yeah. Brian Talbot. You've read it? You've yeah. read, you read the, uh, the original series? Whatever, uh, who published it originally in the U.S.? Um, uh, Dark Horse. Yeah, I read. I, I had all the Dark Horse. So, issues. and his art style, Brian Talbot wrote and and drew it. His art style, he has a pen and ink art style that's like um, amazingly intricate and reminiscent of like the best from twenty uh, from eight two thousand AD, uh, the, the the British comic. And well, because he was one of the best of them. Yeah. I, I met him at a comic con. Yeah. Professor Talbot, you had to say. And, and and the um, and even like uh, a lot of the uh, the the underground comics um, that were mostly black and white and a lot of them like uh, uh, what's his name do 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 guy who did Harold Head Rand Holmes um, okay uh, just a very intricate uh, black and uh, solid blacks and whites no grays. Um, and then the other half of the book is is all painted and colored and uh, just breaks into another another like going from Kansas to Oz. Um, but what I yeah. what I come across was next year they're publishing a third book in this series. They had done um, the Adventures of Luther Arkwright and Heart of the Empire, and those have both been published by Dark Horse. And now it's a, a new book. Um, that is coming out. Uh, the advent adventures of. Uh, now I'm, I've lost. I've lost my. Uh, I've lost well, my we'll have listing when we get it onto the yeah, site. Yeah, but it's a new. It's a continuation and completion of the series. So I've gone back to the omnibus for that, and I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. If 
you know, but I I have a love for um, for all the Philip Jose Farmer stuff where worlds collide, uh, and out of that, um, you also have Michael Moorcock's. I was going to say it was the Jerry Cornelius thing that drew me into. Yeah, the, it's. I felt like that's what Luther's it was. kind of like a, a little bit cleaned up uh, Jerry Cornelius. Um, and I'm I'm really I'm really enjoying getting back into uh, some of this uh, some of this era of uh, the the hero is not necessarily heroic, but he's up against uh, his, his the baddies in this are typically aliens, uh, the politicians, and the church. <laughs> and well, and if you're not deep into Talbot's work. Uh, you're my friend. You're in for a treat. But have you, have you read the tale of one bad rat? I bought that, uh, and I bought that at Powell's Books this weekend in Portland. Oh, you're gonna love it. Yeah, that's magnificent. And then uh, for those listening, that's a uh, that's a story of a of a of a runaway teen coming to grips with the uh, abuse that she has suffered, but through uh, the medium of uh, Beatrix Potter's books, and. You know, so that's a, that's a gorgeous. And there's another one that's really, really trippy. That's both like I think it's called Alice in Sunderland, um, and, and that's the year I met him at Comic Con was when when that had come out. And it's um, it's a it's a tale of his. It's the history of his hometown, at, which is the same place where Lewis Carroll was born. So he mixes Alice in Wonderland with the history of his town. I hadn't yeah. seen that one. Had you? Have you heard of Granville? Yeah. So that's a, a badger detective in a steampunky. Yeah. Uh, London. No, I love it. I love his work. I love yeah. his work. I've got so. that. That one is that one's published. Bringing this all right back around, it's published in the same fashion as the book that I'm looking forward to next year with the black cover and the gold embossing. The beautiful, beautiful book. And I've, I, I had a copy of the Dark Horse. A, a, a shrink wrap copy of the Dark Horse book in my hands in Powell's, and I nearly bought it anyway, even though I had this other one on, on uh, <laughs> uh, other one coming to me uh, with like twenty pounds postage from London. Um, but I put it back on the shelf. I was good. Uh, well, good for you. Was Debbie watching? No, no. Okay, okay. Well, you know, a one. I, I'm going to talk in the binding because I I, I get to just mention that one. With Parr, but we picked up this beautiful bound set, a boxed uh, slip covered uh, edition of Something is Killing the Children uh, from Boom Studios. Um, oversized. I, I don't remember if this was you years ago, which only like, you know, maybe when you love reading a book that's a certain overs oversized because it, make, it almost is like when you're a kid again. Yes. You know, and, and so that's what this, this does. And it's not necessarily that the artwork is, um, you know, terribly uh, intricate, like, you know, looking at, say, up close on a, on a Kirby or, or, you know, an Alex Ross painting. It's, but it is so energetic and it's beautiful. And, it, and if you are not familiar with it, Netflix uh, has picked it up to be a TV series. And they just spun off last week that the, the the continuation series called the house of slaughter and which was one of apparently one of the two hottest books for free comic book day. And, uh, but basically the premise of behind something is killing the children is that in a small town in Wisconsin, something is killing the children out of the woods. 
and then this late twenties girl who's terribly disaffected. She's wearing a mask, uh, you know, like we're all wearing thanks to COVID, uh, with fangs on it, and she's a she's a monster killer. And so the the adults can't see the monsters; only kids can, and she can. And so she's trying to get these creatures before they basically decimate the town. And it was, it's more adventure than horror, but there's certainly enough horror in it. Um, but this is one of those where people have been raving about this for, for quite a while. I saw Boom, uh, Ross Ritchie over at Boom said, hey, we're going to have this cool collected edition. And I thought, well, if I'm going to dive in, I know I'm going to like this. I'll get this collected edition. And I'm so glad I did. It's just, you know, it's one of those that's going to be worth having on the shelf and taking out from time to time. Oh, I want to give myself the creeps again. I'm going to be picking it <laughs> up and reading it. It, it. It's just a wonderful book. And I love James Tyne in the fourth. I, you know, I interviewed him years ago for the backstagers at a boom. And he's turned into a hell of a horror writer. I did not expect that. You know, he's just finished up Batman, a run on Batman, and people love his Batman. But One more issue. Yeah. Well, okay, so he's finishing up. But, you know, he's committed to, to horror, and he's a master. Oh, he just did a he did a long run of horror on Batman just now. Yeah, well, I haven't read it because, you know, now I'll go back. Um, but, you know, yeah. I, I, I've got to confess this. Batman stories bore me unless somebody tells me, you absolutely have to read this Batman story. Oh, this one's, this one's really good. Actually, I think, I think his last issue may be my last issue of Batman for a while. Just because yeah. I'm not, I, the, where they're taking the book, I'm not excited. They've kind of already been there. Yeah, so. exactly. That's why I got bored a while ago. Yeah. So, what else is on your stack? Give me, give me one more, baby. Okay, here's here's the big one. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the video of Alejandro Jodorowsky and Taika Waititi announcing a film. Yes. And it's a film based on uh, a Jodorowsky Mobius. Uh, collaboration called the inkle and yeah. it's it's huge um and i've read bits and snippets but never enough it, it's like it's like picking up like every seventh issue of many of uh, heavy metal and trying to make sense of it so I'm, <laughs> so i'm going i'm trying i'm going back and i bought the uh collected um there are three three storylines that get collected into into large trades like the first one is 525 pages um and i i bought the the hardback of it just loving it this is for those who don't know um this is the book that they they i believe the story goes they couldn't get the rights to do it so they did fifth element um and this this I is kind of yeah. this is kind of a precursor to it um but the storyline if you just read a little bit of it, if you pick out a, like four or five pages and make no sense, whatever, but if you start at the beginning and read it all the way through, it's a, it's a terrific story with great characterization. You've got Mobius doing the artwork and just uh, incredibly imaginative, uh, star-faring, city-building, um, uh, amazing social cultures, politicians and an alien invasions star races uh just you take the, you take the fifth element and blow it out by 15 times and you'll come close to what the ankle is 
in, in, in uh, the storytelling. Yeah, that I need to run all of that because they did reach out and ask if I would, uh, you know, I, if I would, I would run that video and some other things so uh, that they included as well. Uh, I'm excited for. It. I mean, again, you know, we've said this many, many times, but what an age! Yeah, that we're, you know, it, it is interesting to me. Just when you, I, can I? I was standing on Hollywood Boulevard three weeks ago across the street from the El Capitan Theater and seeing the billboard for Eternals and thinking, did Jack Kirby ever dream that he would be in, on a, you know, that his creations that obscure, really, let's be fair, you know, to Eternals, that his creations would be this major Hollywood blockbuster playing in Disney's flagship theater. And I'm sure it was going to play across the street at the, at the Chinese, but I, I don't go down Hollywood that much. But just like, I just was thinking, it, it just pisses me off. And no offense to Stan Lee, and sorry for anybody offended by the language there. I hope not. But, you know, that, that I mean, Stan got to see it. Jack just kept saying, it's going to happen. And he went too soon. You know, didn't get to see and didn't get to see this. Ditko didn't care, but you know, Kirby should have seen. And I, you know, I don't know. It's just amazing to me that I when I realized that I went, yeah, that that Eternals exists as a film is so. No way would I have thought that in 1975. Well, it's you not know? like they tried to do. I mean, you've seen all the all the the right and the, the part of the storyboards for. Uh, Lord of Light, the Zelazny yeah. stuff that Kirby did, and it's 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 not that we don't we never had we've always had the storytellers and we've always had the imagine imagining yeah. I won't say imagineers I will say people who could imagine this stuff. What we didn't have were studios that would fund it. Right. Well, and, you know, and because of that, because of those Lord of Light storyboards, we did rescue the Iraq hostages. So the Iraq yes, hostages. yes. So you know that's the. Argo, they use those. So let me give the, my last uh, for this for this week is I we just do have to acknowledge that even though it turns out that Marvel had to separate themselves from the artist uh, Joe Bennett uh, for being uh, pretty much anti-Semitic and kind of all all around a, a somewhat horrible person, but I have to acknowledge that the Immortal Hulk wrapped up. Oh yeah, beautifully a couple of weeks ago and Huge. at the same time and. and um, that is no matter no matter how you slice it, uh, up there with Planet Hulk, if not above, in terms of if you want to that question, where does somebody start? Now you don't start. You know, you just go. This is a good story. Those fifty issues uh, plus two or three. Because I will throw in, you have to read the King and Black crossover. Oh, do you? Uh, issue. It's, the, it's the only issue. issue. What? The one issue? One issue. That's okay. all it is. It's, a, it's an Immortal Hulk, King and Black special. And it's all silent. And it is uh, Aaron Cooter, I believe, was the was the artist. And it it ties in. But I have to say, I have to say something that, you know, Al Ewing came up with a, that I've been trying to figure out how, how I really want to articulate after reading all of Immortal Hulk, but, it, but the last couple of issues... The thing became very big 
crucial to the story yeah. in the last uh, last year. And I've been thinking about how every attempt has been, that's been made to turn the Fantastic Four into film. We always think of the thing as this brute. I just picked up this um, panel by panel Fantastic Four uh, Chip Kid design designed this this huge um, yeah Fantastic Four number one panel by panel huge hardback with essays in the back breaking down page by page but each page is a panel from Fantastic Four number one and that's the thing that people think of but the thing that has been in comics for sixty years uh, they reference refer to his voice as being like a grandfather and and I realized that you know when you're going to introduce him to the Marvel to a movie audience, you're seeing the thing at the beginning of his career, which was fun. I certainly enjoy. I'll never forget Susan Storm saying, "Ben Grimm, you're just being obdurate," and him saying, "My religion's got nothing to do with it." Um, that I, I don't, you know, it was a great Stanley. Well, we didn't know he was Jewish at the time. No, I know that's true. Um, but but regardless, but it really has nothing to do with it. But that he's almost like become the rabbi of the Marvel universe, and the wisdom of having been the golem, if you will, yeah. and but becoming this strangely a spiritual leader without being necessarily spiritual, he's just good. You know, Carl doesn't talk about it too much, but last week he was wearing the This Man, This Monster t-shirt. I was just going to say that, yeah. We did, you know, Carr wears that a lot for publicity photos. And I I love that shirt, but I love that story more and the point being made of that. Like, there's this one, one-off story that we never even find out the name of the villain. Yeah. Who is redeemed at the end. The, and, the, but the ironic thing about that is everyone says it's a great thing story but it's, no, it's not. not it's well it's it the is. fact the that somebody there is a tragic story arc to element to it for ben Grimm. yeah but you know i just think what if you haven't read the immortal hulk uh you need to because uh, it does such a fantastic there are many characters that don't come across very well in here i i, I wouldn't say tony stark comes across well captain american necessarily does but but the way he played the Hulk off of the thing, is, or the thing off of the Hulk, whoever you want to say it, and all the various personalities is so oh, yeah. beautiful. I asked my son, do you want me to bother with the with the continuing series, the, the next one, the Hulk, by Donny Cates? And I like Donny Cates. He's a good, right. good writer. Right. I, I, I mean, that's not like I know him. I don't. But I, I, I do like his writing. Um, but... I, I really, I had to think twice about it. But my son said, yeah, you know, go ahead. I mean, it's Hulk. I like Hulk, but it's not going to be as good. And <laughs> that's how I feel. Like, like this is, you know, you, you when you read Planet Hulk in one fell swoop, it's like, oh, my God. And, you know, you like Peter David's run is very interesting, and he certainly introduced a lot of concepts that Al Ewing definitely plays off of in Immortal Hulk. But... But, like, Immortal Hulk is, even though he sets it up that, obviously, it must continue because comics must, comics characters like the Hulk must, that you've got 50 issues that is an epic, and you can stop there. Yeah. And, and that's where that's where I, I just feel strong the older I get. It's like, I want to be able to point to somebody and say, point somebody to something like this where 
read this epic. You don't have to read anything else. Read that if you the, want to understand Hulk. The, the power of that story is that it is a story and it has a beginning and an end, which, which most comics have a continual line of, of a story that's going to continue long past this and they're going to kind of blend together. But this had a change in the, the way we looked at the character and then they explored that they came to some resolutions and they finished it beautifully done. Um, and everything about it was different than we had seen in the Hulk, the, from the art style to the, the way dialogue and, was done. And, and I got to say, I, I'm not going to gloss over. The artist turned out to be, from my perspective, a terrible person. But, damn, the, the art just brought so much to life. Yeah, That makes me sad. You know, but but whatever talent goes to everybody, you know, um, yeah. So uh, I don't know how they're handling collecting it moving forward because of this. They cut all ties with him. Um, and but I just got to assume put that aside because Al Ewing's work deserves to be read. Aaron Cooter's I, I think I've got the right artist there for that King of Black. Hopefully that's collected with something. And and even the thing is that take has been so inspiring. There were these weird little one shots where other writers, what it turned out, really did just ask Al Ewing, like, can we write your version? And they're all good. They don't necessarily play into the larger arc. But these little one one off one shots that Marvel's putting out, I thought, oh, they're just grabbing money. It was like, no, so that these writers that could have a shot at this characterization, which cannot exist after this either. Yeah. It is a story that ends. Um, you know, so anyway, it's been a it's been a grand fall. And and uh, you know, that's where I also say what I find myself doing more and more at like Earth Two is I don't walk out without a without a a graphic novel, a hardcover, or uh, you know, or a trade collection of something. And I hate to say I, you know, the wait for the trade on things, but there are books just like no. I just know that I'm going to want to be able to not have lost track of where the individual issues are, but also because I think I'm going to go back and pick that off the shelf and read it again. You know, and and that's that's an advantage too. You know, so yeah. although I'm grateful. Uh, well, I'm also mad at you because you got me the omnibuses. I just bought something out. I can't remember what else I bought. I'm mad. Uh, <laughs> they're too heavy. But um, yeah, so I've got more more stuff coming. So anyway, I th that's it. So this is our bonus comics thing, and hopefully I'll I'll, I'll read some more for the time, and, and and we'll do an episode sooner. We've we've got uh, someone else has. Uh, promised to to join because he wanted to join us in a conversation, and we owe rejoin him us. Rejoin us, but yeah, but we owe him this conversation, right? Now, and, and it's a time where it's no spoilers. So, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to say who because I haven't actually scheduled with him beyond the one night in um, uh, Scum and Villainy Cantina where he said, I should be on your podcast. Yes, you should. <laughs> so it's coming soon. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, once again, if you want to join the conversation, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or uh, Instagram. And, of course, if you want to have any comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers for good.
thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatluke.com.